Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Frank. And I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Timothy. Chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 6 through 8. Paul writes, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I'd like to start with a question. Uh, When you leave, whether it's this life or this church, what do you want people to remember about you? So when you leave, whether it's this life or even this church or even today, what is it that you want people to remember about you? In a sense, looking to... The future, your funeral maybe, what is it that you want your children and your friends to say about you? What do you want them to remember? A few days before Christmas this year, uh, I had the joy of allowing Eugene to drive me to Lutheran General Hospital. Uh, the problem that I was experiencing was a pressure uh, on my chest. Uh, I really was... Um, Not sure what was happening. I was thinking, you know, maybe it's indigestion because earlier that day in the morning, I'd woken up at one in the morning and uh, I had that same pressure. Uh, I took two Advil and uh, two Tums and about a half hour later, I felt pretty good. And uh, I figured to myself, you know what, this is all right. Uh, It's just indigestion. That sort of stuff happens. Uh, I once saw an episode of ER where the lady was complaining about uh, a heart attack. She burped. And she said, I feel better. So I was thinking, all right, that's pretty cool. I hope so. You know, the Tums helps a little bit. Uh, about 12 hours later, I felt the same pressure, but this time a little bit more so. And after having dropped off my youngest at gymnastics, as I was driving home, uh, as, as the pain grew, and an incredible fear also grew within me. And I began to think, this really is serious. This is a heart attack. And uh, I began to fear, what would it be like if I died? And I began to think of my family. My wife is pretty capable. She'd be able to handle all those things. But I thought to myself, even as a husband, as, as, as a father, what is, what is, there, what is, there going, what is it that are going to be missing? What is it that my wife and my children are going to be missing if, if this is real serious? And the pain grew and the pain grew and I started crying and I was thinking, I, I got to get to the hospital, but I don't want to go because I don't want to be embarrassed. And uh, in the end, it turned out that I had had a minor cardiac incident. I don't know if they're calling it a heart attack because, as I understand, there was no heart damage, uh, nothing died, but there was an issue because the enzymes, the heart enzymes that say uh, you have an issue, were 24 times what they were supposed to be. So somehow, some way, uh, there was something wrong with me. But it, it made me realize 
in the midst of all of this, what will I be leaving behind? Uh, What will people remember me for? Uh, Will they remember something or someone that I want them to remember? Or will it be something totally different? Because I, I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave a spiritual legacy. So just to be clear, there's a couple legacies I don't want us to think of. So Stefan, if you could do this for us. I don't want us to think of leaving this kind of legacy. Now, if you work for Subaru, I, you know, I apologize, but that's not the kind of legacy I, I want to leave. Uh, nor do I want to leave this kind of legacy. Anyone see this? What a horrible legacy. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm glad they, they can that franchise. Uh, this is a game that Mache and uh, Heath probably play, right? You guys know this one? Uh, I don't want you to leave that kind of legacy. And then finally, more of this kind of legacy. And don't mind the bottom part. There's nothing happening May 6th through May 27th, just to let you know. But to, to leave a legacy and not an inheritance. As you can tell, I'm not really good with Google Images. I want us, as we look today at Timothy, to ask ourselves a very serious question. When you leave, what do you want to leave behind? What do you want people to remember about you? Let's read the verses, and then I'll explain them a little bit. I'm not going to cover everything in these verses. I'm just going to hit some highlights. In reading them again, it says, For I am already poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to those who have longed for its appearing. Now, as I understand this, as I understand what Paul is writing, this is his last letter. This is a letter that he is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, before he actually dies. He's about to be executed. And so, in a sense, these are his last words. This is his last letter, and uh, these are his last words. And uh, as we've heard before, usually those last words are the things that are most on our heart, the things that are very important to us. And so throughout this letter, I see Paul encouraging a younger Timothy. Listen, like Moses passed the baton to Joshua, Like Elijah passed the baton to Elisha, now I, Paul, am passing the baton on to you, Timothy. And I want to encourage you, because everyone said, Joshua ain't no Moses, which is true. He was Joshua, but he still was a very capable leader. And Elisha was no Elijah, but in some ways, he was better. And so now Paul is saying, listen, Timothy, I know that you're afraid. And I know that a lot of things are going on in your life that are very difficult for you as a pastor. Some things you're doing, some things you're not doing, but I want to encourage you. As God has brought me to this place, as God has been faithful, God can and will do the same work in you. And here is the work that God has done in me. So let's look at this. Verse 6 says, For I am already being poured out, like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. And, and, and if I'm going to put this in a more modern language, it's this, the time has come for me to leave. Um, it's over. I'm going to be delivered. And then we normally think of deliverance as you, you 
have this crisis, you're delivered from the crisis, and you move on to something better, which is totally true in this instance. That's what's going to happen with Paul. Paul's saying, I'm about to be delivered. And there are four word pictures. Three of them I didn't like, so I'm not going to share them. And one that I really liked. And the one was this. The word picture that this word deliver means is of a prisoner being set free. So in a way, Paul is saying, listen, the time has come for my departure. I'm about to die. I'm about to be delivered. I am a prisoner to this life, and I'm about to be set free in Christ. And in a sense, as a word of encouragement that says, man, this, this life is not everything. There's a lot more to come, and you have seen all that I have been through, and I'm about to be set free from all of that, and I'm just going to be in the presence of God. And so while you're freaking out that I'm gone, I'm rejoicing. Enjoying the time, and not that I don't want to, you know, as we'll see later on, but I'm set free. I will no longer be a prisoner. I will be able to fully know Christ, which is an encouragement that Timothy can take with him. That there is hope that even through everything that you go through, as difficult as it can be, one day you will face your departure. But it will be a departure where you will no longer be a prisoner, but you'll be free. He goes on and he says, listen, I have fought the good fight. And, and, and the idea here of, the, of fought is agony. He's agonizing. He says, in other words, I have agonized my entire life to fight the good fight because following Jesus is like fighting a war. It is a war. And it's a constant war. It's a moment by moment. You're warring against what's going on inside yourself. You're warring against what's going on in the culture. You're warring against... Uh, powers, principalities. There's a whole bunch of war, but he is agonized. He's fought a battle. And, and picture it like this. Can you imagine an army lining up and they pull out their fencing gear and they go, oh God. And they, da, 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 it's a wonderful war. Let's just have them killing people. It's just... No, they don't go like that. There's an agony. So what Paul's saying is, listen, I'm not playing at war. I'm really agonizing. I'm in the trenches and it's hand-to-hand combat and we're fighting and we're fighting and I have not given up. I have kept fighting. I have been wounded. I've been knocked over. In a sense, I've been left for dead, which was a real true story. But in all of that, I have continued to agonize and to fight the good fight. We are in a war and I have kept fighting. But he goes on, I have finished the race. And the idea is a purposeful competition. How many of you have ever been in a race? Right? And, and when you're in a race, when you run, what do you run for? You run to win, right? I mean, I, we're in, in the middle of the Olympics. And I don't know how much you guys like the Olympics. Anyone here getting into the Olympics yet? A few of you. Okay, we'll pray for you. That's okay. Wow, Winter Olympics, they're boring. But anyway, stay focused. Purposeful competition. These athletes don't train for years to say, well, I've arrived at the Olympics. I don't care if I don't win anything. I'm just glad to be here, which is cool. It's a good attitude. But they don't go there with that. I want to win. I am purposeful. So Paul's saying, listen, I ran this race. There's a purpose behind the things that I'm doing. I am fighting. There's a, I'm, I'm focused. I'm moving forward. I'm straining to be the best that I can be. So I have fought the good fight, I have run the race, and I have kept the faith. And the faith is to be true to Jesus. 
you look at my life, he's saying, I have remained true to Jesus through thick and thin, through good and through bad, through sorrow and through joy. I have fought the fight. I have run the race. And I have kept the faith. Now, there is in store, reserved or kept. In other words, and I like this, because what Paul is saying is, listen, in all of this, at the end of it all, I just know that God is faithful. And so what he's done in me, he's kept that. He's got a hold of it. He has held on to it. And so it is reserved for me that after all of this, that there is a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And that's a whole sermon in and of itself, so I won't even go into it. But not only to me, and this is the cool part, but also to those who have longed for his appearing. And the idea of longing is those who love Jesus. It's a longing. It's a, it's a heart desire. So take a moment. What is something that you really long for? Something that when you, you think about it, you just, you want it. It's like a craving. It's like a pregnant woman saying, man, I want white castles with extra pickles right now. It's a craving. It's a longing. I love leaving the office. Not because I don't like my people that I work with. Not not my people. The people I work with. I don't know where mine came from. But because I love to go home. I long to go home. Because especially in the summer when I pull up in the driveway, two little girls run out of the house screaming, Daddy, like they're happy to see me which I know will probably last a few more years for Kaylee and maybe hopefully the rest of her life for Janet. But you understand what I'm saying? I long to go home. There's a longing to be there because you want to be appreciated. You want to be loved. And my wife, you know, she makes, makes dinner and all that other stuff. And it's just, it's, I just love to be home. I love to go home. I just long to go home when the workday's over. And trust me, as an introvert, I like being in the office. But I long to be home. And Paul's saying, listen, I long to be with Jesus. And we'll see that later on. But he's also saying, listen, for anyone who loves Jesus, that same longing, everything that has happened to me, being able to fight the good fight, run the race, keep the faith, is something that everyone who loves Jesus can have. See, because in our mind we think to ourselves, only a certain group of special forces people really get to know God. And the rest of us, we just live our lives. But I think what Paul is teaching us, what God wants us to hear, is that it's not just Paul, but it's everyone. Every one of us here today who follows Jesus has the opportunity to leave behind a spiritual legacy that when people talk about them, they can say, I remember their love for Jesus. Doesn't matter who you are, but it's everyone. Any, I mean, and, and the idea just here is just for all, in, in Greek, all means all? Everyone. Not like all the pastors, all the missionaries, all the leaders, but the rest of you. No. All. All means all. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you have a bucket list? If you have a bucket list, don't be ashamed. Bucket list. Things you want to do before you die. I guess a lot of people don't think about dying. Okay, that's kind of good, maybe, sort of, right? Just a few. How many of you have written your eulogy? 
Okay, one person. I actually have written my funeral. I know that sounds crazy, but if you go on my computer back there, I do have already set up what I would like to happen at my funeral. I'm beginning to think of what do I want to have happen? What will be my last words? Even though I'll be dead, I'll still be speaking. You're probably sitting there thinking right now, I'm ready to fall asleep dead, and he's still speaking, but it's something totally different. Even when I'm dead, I still want to say something to those who are following behind me. And here, in a sense, though this is not his plan... If I'm applying this, I feel like this is Paul's eulogy. He's come to the end of his life, and he said, all of these things have happened, Timothy, and I want to leave behind a legacy, and here is what I think is my legacy. My legacy is faithfulness. This is Paul's legacy. Faithfulness. Now think about this. We would normally say in a eulogy, all of our accomplishments, right? I don't know if you've gone to a wake or a funeral recently, recently, but if you listen to a person's eulogy, you'll hear so-and-so was born here. They did this. They went to this college. They got this master's degree. They got this PhD. They founded this fund. And all of these things that goes, all of the things that they've actually done or accomplished in life. Paul could have done that. He could have said, listen, Timothy, you're afraid, okay? I get it. I understand that. But let me tell you, before I die, man, think of all the churches that I planted and all the years that I spent in missions and all the people that I, through God's power, was he- were healed, released from demons. All these wonderful things. Man, don't you want a part of that? But he doesn't say that. He could say, Timothy, I know you're afraid. You're about to suffer persecution. But think about all the things that I suffered. Dude, I mean, people beat me. One time they stoned me, left me for dead. Ah, shipwrecks, all kinds of these horrible, suffering things. Dude, stand strong. But Paul doesn't say that. He doesn't go into that sort of litany or or liturgy or whatever you want to call it. He just basically says, this is my legacy. I have been faithful. I have been faithful. Paul is saying, listen, I have been faithful. I have been faithful. And you can be faithful as well. And not only you, but all who love Jesus. Your legacy can be being faithful. In fact, that is what God calls us to. Because Paul would probably realize pretty early on that not everyone is called for overseas missions. Not everyone is called to be a church planner. Not everyone is called to be a pastor. Not everyone is called to be a deacon. Not everyone is called to be a ministry leader. Many people are just called, in fact, I'm going to say all of us, are just called to be us, as God intended in our situation. And the legacy that God wants us to leave behind is one of faithfulness to him. Faithfulness to him. So if I were to say what, what, is, what I think God is saying is this, is your legacy is not necessarily tied into what you do, but who you are. Your legacy is not necessarily tied into what you do, but who you are. For instance, um, ever since we got our youngest one, I've told you this before, I've become a hugger. Now, if I said to you, listen, I'm a hugger, and you look at me and go, I never see you hug anybody. Well, I'm a germaphobe. 
more than I'm a hugger. But I'm a hugger, believe me. You're going to question whether or not I'm a hugger, right? If I am not hugging, you're wondering, are you really a hugger? Here's what I want us to understand. It's not necessarily tied into what you do, but who you are, because Paul's legacy is faithfulness. It's not missions. It's not church planting. It's not the founder of Christianity, as some people would say. It's tied into the fact that he is faithful. What, Paul, are you faithful to? I am faithful to who God has called me to be and to what God has called me to do. See the progression? You see, you could be a consultant. You could be a stay-at-home mom. You could be a nurse. You could be a doctor. You could be an accountant. You could work for the IRS. God forgive you, but he will. Right? You could do any one of those things and still be faithful. And you can be like Paul and say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Why? Because I longed for Jesus. And I was faithful to who he called me to be and what he called me to do. See the progression? Who we are, what we do. Paul's focus here is on who he is. And I believe that's God's focus. Where you are at, right now, his call is for you to be faithful to Jesus. To love him, to know him, and to make him known. So leaving a spiritual legacy does not require a PhD in spiritual transformation. All it requires is a faithfulness to the one that you long for. And the one that you love. Now, that might seem pretty easy, but it's not. So, I want to give us two things. How do I get this legacy of faithfulness? So, looking at these verses, I think the first thing that we have to do is we have to fight for it. We have to fight for it. You have to fight for it. The Christian life is a daily struggle. How many of you blow through a day just overwhelmed by the presence of God and never give a second thought to the struggle of following Jesus in our modern world. Anybody? If you do, please, we will not in any way try to find you. I'm serious, right? It's difficult. It is a difficult struggle. If you are like me, and I've said this before, you could be riding high, you could be in worship, you could be in prayer, and within one second... Saying things that are in your heart that have no room for Jesus, right? Whether it's driving, whether it's after your quiet time and you got to get your kids ready for school, or come to church, or whatever it is, you can see pretty quickly that we are in the middle of a battle. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 5, 16 and 17. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Paul says there is a battle battle raging on inside of you. Take out the culture. Take out the powers and the principalities, and there is still a war and a conflict going 
on inside of you. How many times has God told you to do something and we struggle with that? Forgive that person. Drop the charges. Let it go. And in our hearts, the answer is no. Do you not see what this person did to me? You struggle through that. Where God says that very thing that you pursue, that you are hungry for, that takes you away from me, stop it. And our answer is no. This is something that I enjoy. This is something that gives me life. Can't stop it. Or when God says, listen, focus on this. The answer is no, I have time. I can do this later. I can get to it. I'm young. I have time. There's a fight that goes on within us. Paul in Ephesians 6, 7 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. (coughs) Because he's saying, and he's about to launch into spiritual warfare. He's saying, listen, there is a battle. You want to win it? You want to have that spiritual legacy? Then you have to learn that there's a war going on. You can't win it unless you are in Christ. If you are not in Christ, if you are not in his strength, if you are not walking in his mighty power, game over. You can't do it. It's a battle that you might think you're winning, but you're not. You're actually losing. So in the midst of this war that is going on, depend on God. You want to be like Paul when you get to the end and you write your kids a note and you say, hey, so-and-so, I love you, I love you, and here's why, and all these things. But let me know you this. I want you to know, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. It happens in the midst of spiritual warfare because you have depended on God, because you have depended on Christ, because you have longed for Jesus and found no one and nothing else that satisfies but him to get to that place and say, I have him. Come what may, difficult as it might be, I have him. And I will be faithful to that because there's nothing else. It's like when Polycarp said, why betray Jesus? My everything. That's a paraphrase. And I know right now you're probably squiggling in your seat there with my paraphrase, Marcus. But it's a paraphrase. I have Jesus. Why would I say I don't want him to be Lord? Why do I? I, No way, man! I will not do it! What is Polycarp's legacy? It's not the fact that he was able to be persecuted and die, but because he was faithful. It was who he was, and it led to what he did. It's the same thing. So if you want this spiritual legacy, if you want one day people at harvest, when you leave, whether you go to Phoenix and make fun of everyone on Facebook because it's nice and warm there and you're freezing, or you just, something happens and you die. What do you want people to say about you? When you leave, will there be a spiritual legacy that you will have left behind? Will people say there is a hole in my life because where they once stood in the gap for Jesus in my life, they're gone. It's missing. I mean, of course, this raises another question. Are we ready to be the people when somebody else leaves to step into that gap? Second thing I think we need to do is this. 
we have to long for Jesus. We've just been talking about it, but I just want to say it pretty simply. We have to long for Jesus. Philippians 1, 21 through 24, Paul writes, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. In other words, I don't care. I'm in prison, and he's going to have many years to come to live. But you know what? I don't care. If I die, I gain. I get Jesus, man. But if I live, I still get Jesus. This is great. It's like a win-win situation. And there's a longing in his heart. And he says, if I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart, be delivered, to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Paul has a longing for Jesus that consumes him. It consumes him. In such a way that he doesn't say, you know what, I'm out of here. The great by and by, I am so tired of life, just take me, I'm done. He says, I am so full of Jesus, I really, really want him, but man, I can't help the fact that I really, really want you to have him. So I'm not going anywhere until my legacy is ensured by the fact that you long for Jesus like I long for Jesus. As you crave for Jesus, as you're longing, desiring, seeking, you want to leave behind a spiritual legacy. If you follow Jesus, or say you follow Jesus, and you do not have a desire to leave behind a spiritual legacy, you've got to examine where really is my heart. Because when we look at Paul, we look at Paul and go, man, he the super saint of all super saints. If we look at Paul that way, I think we miss the simple fact of the God who was in him made all the difference. And if you follow Jesus, the same God that Paul followed is the same God that is in you. And the same words that Paul can say about his faithfulness, because his faithfulness, he would recognize or acknowledge It's about God's faithfulness. That same faithfulness is the same faithfulness each and every one of us can have and leave behind. Let me finish with this. Everyone here, no one excluded, can leave behind a spiritual legacy. Let me start with the high school students. You might say, hey man, we're young. What do we have to leave behind? I'm Isaac. I'm in ninth grade. Well, there's 8th graders, 7th graders, 6th graders. And I know we say, oh, you know, high school. You know, like Eugene was talking about here in worship as a high school teacher sitting there and wondering, did you know a week before the shooting in Florida that Parkland, Florida was named one of the safest cities to live in? Think about that. We live in a world where we sit there and think, because I'm not in the inner city, Because I don't even know what a drive-by looks like. I'm safe. You are not safe. None of us. I'll be honest with you. I live in constant fear. The doctors have no idea as to why I had a stroke and a heart attack in six months. They're guessing. And you know the the cardiologist, really nice guy, says, you know what? You need to keep taking the meds or you could die. Not very encouraging. But I live in a slight form of fear because each time... I thought I was healthy. So people ask me, how are you feeling? 
I say, I'm feeling good, but it means absolutely nothing because a few hours from now, who knows? It's the same thing. You can leave a spiritual legacy at the age of 15, 16, 17, or 18. I'm just going to give props to know his sitting over there by Peter. He has a legacy. He didn't just go off to college and go, hope you all do well, but he keeps coming back. Already planning for Tuba City. Just turned 21. Doesn't drink, right? Good. Think about it. Anyone can leave. You're sitting there and you're thinking, dude, I am doing it, man. I am pressing on. I got legacy written all over me. Let me say this. Take heed lest you fall. I'm not saying that to be mean. I was reading in the commentaries. One spiritual giant said, I am not going to write my autobiography because many a person has fallen right before the end of the race. So if you're sitting out there thinking, man, I got the legacy, everybody sees it, take heed. Because Paul is saying, at the end of all of this, I'm about to die. Now I can say it. But he's not saying it way beforehand. I know that uh, I haven't been watching the Olympics, but, um, and I don't remember the story fully because I'm not really interested in the Olympics yet, but that uh, British female speed skater, does anyone know what I'm talking about? She was supposed to win like the 500 meters or the 1,000 meters, and uh, one of the other competitors hit her, pushed her off, and she lost. Her thinking is, gold, the gold is mine. I can do this. In the end, because of somebody else's mistake, she didn't. That's got to be frustrating. I just read that story, and my heart breaks because I think all of that work to get to the Olympics, and somebody else makes a mistake, and it's all gone. So if you're walking that path, take heed. But there's someone else here who might be saying, you know what, I am so screwed up, and I have so screwed up. There's no way. There is absolutely no way I can leave this legacy. And I just give you one name, Nobel. Right? I don't even remember his first name. But for a man who is known for blowing up things, which many of us have been reminded by Pastor Dave, now is known as a man of peace, something changed. And the legacy of Mr. Nobel is peace prizes. Not the fact that he worked with dynamite to blow up things. That they said of him in his obituary, here's a man who has learned how to kill people in a new and innovative way. Total change. I don't think God cares. In terms of your future legacy, as to where you're at right now, to what has happened in your life as screwed up and messed up as it could be, and how it may never change, he cares about you being faithful. That's his concern. Paul did not live an easy life. He struggled constantly. And yet he could say at the end of his life, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. So let me finish with this. Do you have a spiritual legacy that says, I am faithful. 
Do you have a spiritual legacy that says, I am faithful? And if you've come to that place where you do not see that, and you feel like you will never get there, I want to encourage you that it is never too late to turn back to him. To walk with him. To grow in your love for him. And to find him to be so valuable that nothing else matters. Where you could get to that point where Paul got there because God helped bring him there. Where you could say, to live is Christ. To die is gain. I long for him to be more and more in my life. Because in the end, the generation that follows me, this is what I want them to remember. He was faithful. She was faithful. Let's pray. Father, quite obviously, I I never knew Paul. But when I read through his letters, there is a sense, you might say, of arrogance and pride. But another sense of absolute humility. A man who could say, in my weakness, God is strong. In my sin, there's not only forgiveness, but holiness. In my pride, there is a humility that waits upon God. An absolute dependence upon who God is. Upon what God has done. Upon what God is doing and what God will do. Paul would say, I can rest in that fully. And my prayer today for each and every one of us, Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to us. For who you really are, Jesus, be Jesus. Not for who we might like you to be or who we want you to be or what we perceive you to be, but to really just be yourself. Show us your glory. Show us you fully, completely. Let us taste of your goodness in the midst of our rotten circumstances, in the midst of our lives falling apart, in the midst of our sin, in the, in, our, in the midst of the things that we have given ourselves over to that take you away from us, we pray that you will show us yourself fully and completely. That we might see you and be changed. That this legacy, this spiritual legacy that we leave behind is based on faithfulness. Your faithfulness to yourself, to your promises, to your word, and our faithfulness to you. We surrender. We surrender ourselves. Pray, pray. May we walk in the freedom that you have purchased for us already. 
maybe come to the end of our lives or even the end of our stay at this church to be, to be remembered for your work in us and through us. That the legacy that we leave behind is that they love Jesus and they were faithful. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.